hard to believe that the whole summer has passed by already and we're welcoming the autumn season of the gardening programme. We sure are, dear. Well, it feels like summer out there well, this morning. Well, I was going to say, it's a little bit gone Indian and <laughs> I think we were all hoping that it would uh, come like that fabulous yeah. morning. Fantastic. It's rather a pleasant week or by and large anyway, so Thursday being fab day. But you're telling me that this week is going this to be weekend, very good. Yeah, high pressure coming in, coming into the west. So high pressure means sunshine. Cooler temperatures at night time, of course, like it was, you know, quite chilly again this morning but uh, we're going to get great a fantastic weekend but more importantly a very good week right the way through till certainly midweek up to Wednesday Thursday the weather's promised really good and I don't think any significant change into next weekend again so really good gardening weather and of course when you get that big fluctuation in temperatures that cooler temperatures at night time mm. and uh, you know 15 degrees during the, the day you get fantastic autumn colour so if it continues we look forward to really nice autumn colour from plants like Virginia Creeper which are beginning to turn Actually, at the moment Actually saw one the other day and, I, and, and when I saw it I said oh there Porrick now will be no doubt talking about that a beautiful example and it was just starting to turn Yeah and that's mm. you, 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 when you get this sort of uh, range in temperatures without the wind and the rain you get fantastic autumn colour. So plants like uh, liquid amber, which is a beautiful tree in the garden, that's just beginning to colour now. Similar colours to Virginia creeper. It's got that beautiful orange and red uh, foliage. So we're going to see fantastic autumn colour. It's also going to prolong the flowering plants. Plants like dahlias and anemones um, are still, hydrangeas are still flowering really, really well. Roses are still blooming really well. So this sort of warm weather is going to continue that show of colour right into late September, possibly into October. So it's all it's all good. It is, yeah, actually. And I noticed, uh, you know, uh, as we all know, that my ability is limited at best. But it has to cut the <laughs> <laughs> It is improving, it's improving days. slowly, slowly. But the easy flowers, remember the easy oh, flowers yeah. from earlier in yes. the year? Yes, so yes. I was a bit slow maybe in planting them but the ones that I got I got great sunflowers out of them right. now there were some others as well I can't identify what they are Porek, I have to be honest but they're flowering uh, but they're flowering but the sunflowers really uh, that were in it were beautiful and they weren't the really high ones yeah. they were kind of lower ones so I had them in pots Dwarf. and great like loads and loads of heads on them great. yeah and they're, really and they're they're, they're just they're, now they're starting to wilt at this stage but uh, the last couple of weeks they've been beautiful and, and it's been a good year for plants mm. like sunflowers and, and marigolds and the English marigolds and so on. But to leave the sunflowers where they are because they'll set seed and the seed then will attract the birds in over the autumn and winter period. So it's right. really good. And I've been noticing that, um, I was out looking at them the other day on Thursday, I think, when it was really nice. Um, and the the, bee, the honey, I think I saw some honeybees. Oh, the bees Yeah, we're busy, very, busy. Yeah, yeah it was great. And I said, oh, that's good. Yeah, so, so there's a lot happening. But I suppose the weather really at the moment is ideal for, at this time of year coming into September, it's a good time of year to kind of refocus on the garden and, and prepare it for winter, prepare it for the following spring. So the couple of things that I'd be f focusing on at the moment will be things like, particularly the lawn, lawn care, you know, we always get the questions in the springtime around weeds and moss, but really it's at this time of year that if you if you tidy up the garden and take some care with the lawn, you'll actually avoid those problems for the springtime. Mm. So the first thing I would be doing is raising the, the, the more blades. So if you've been cutting, say, at number two, bring it up to a number three. So actually, let the grass grow a little bit longer 
in the autumn period. Right. That builds a bit of strength into it and it also helps to keep moss controlled and weeds controlled. So raise the, the, the mower blades just by one notch, but continue to mow for the next couple of weeks. Continue to keep the grass trimmed. Feeding at this time is a good idea as well, to feed with an autumn lawn food. And autumn lawn feeds feed the lawn slowly so you get a nice greening effect mm-hmm. without any growth right so and, and it helps to to encourage um the grass to fill in and and get a good thick um dense foliage before winter it's also a good time of year to control weeds so if you've got general weeds around the garden say bits of weeds on your patio on your driveway in the lawn itself then it's a this sort of weather is ideal to treat those before the winter sets in because weeds are beginning to die back they're setting seed and dying back this time of mm. year so they're actually quite weak and if you if you apply a treatment at this time of year you will actually eliminate them very quickly and you're stopping that seed process as well so weeds in general I would focus on those at the moment a lot of them are seeding so if you can control them now either hoe them out or put a treatment on them you get a very good kill and again it's going to save the problem for next spring moss control is important and most autumn lawn feeds actually contain an autumn uh, or contain a moss control. So you could apply something like the Osmo that we use in the mm-hmm. springtime and that you'll get very good greening from the grass but you'll also get the moss control as right. well. And September is always the month for repatching or reseeding areas or indeed if you've got a lawn ready for seeding go ahead and sow it because this sort of temperatures it'll germinate in about a 14 to 21 day period. So you'll have a very good autumn going into the winter or a very good lawn going into the winter if you sow the seed at this time of year. So for people that have come in kind of getting a lawn ready but may not have sown it then my advice is to put that seed in now and it'll germinate over the next two to three weeks. Greenhouses, <clears throat> most greenhouses if people have been active this summer are full yep. of tomatoes and they're ripening very well. They are, yeah. But I would advised to, to take the harvest now, to take the both the green and, and the, the red tomatoes off the plants um, and, and obviously use the red tomatoes. But the green fruits will ripen if you put them into a brown paper bag with a small bit of apple or banana will help to ripe, ripen the, the fruit. So rather than leaving them there, I would be cleaning out the greenhouse at the moment and planting it, replanting it with seeds. So plants like um, lots, there's lots of vegetable seeds that can be sown even things like I mentioned a, a great carrot called Eskimo mm-hmm. which is a winter variety which can be sown in greenhouses and tunnels at this time of year for use in early spring but plants like spinach winter lettuce winter onions um, spring cabbages pak choy uh, Swiss chard all of those plants grow in cool temperatures during the autumn and winter period. So if you've got your greenhouse cleaned out, you could be sowing seeds of those, or indeed there are many plants still available, vegetable plants like lettuce and cabbage and spring onions that you can plant in the greenhouse in the tunnel now, which will continue to grow through the autumn and winter period. Plants like potatoes for Christmas. Yes. Right, we talked about them last year Indeed. and very successful. Anybody that tried them, they, they got a really good return from them. So again, if you're fortunate to have a greenhouse or a tunnel, you could plant up some Christmas potatoes, new potatoes. Now at this time of year, the seed is available. You put them into a container, you layer them. So you put them in one layer above another with, with good quality compost. And all you need to do is wash them and feed them during September, October and early November. They grow actively. And by early December, they're ready for use. So 
Potatoes for Christmas, new potatoes for Christmas is very doable okay. if you've got the greenhouse and the tunnel. So rather than kind of leaving the tunnel and trying getting the last of the fruits, I would clean it out over the weekend, harvest the fruits that are there, but replant it. Herbs, for example, if you put your parsley yeah. or pots of herbs into the greenhouse at this time of year, they'll continue to grow and give you lots of fresh pickings over the winter period. So there are quite a lot of plants that will grow at quite low temperatures during the winter. You know, we often yeah. get... Uh, pet days like today during October and November so plants will continue to grow particularly in a greenhouse and tunnel environment and it's also a great time of year for sowing seeds of plants so particularly hardy annuals if you think about nature what's nature doing at the moment plants you said your sunflowers are producing yep. seed yep. so nature itself is actually sowing seed at this time of year so it's a great time particularly hardy annuals and the word hardy means that they're not damaged by frost so if you sow the seed at this time of year, so I'm thinking of plants like English marigolds, poached eggplant, even plants like lupins and delphiniums to flower next year can be sown indoors on a windowsill or in a tunnel or greenhouse or somewhere warm and protected. And they'll germinate within about a two week period and grow during the winter period. Okay, and, so, then, and then they can be planted out in, can, you, in, 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 in spring somewhere yeah, next year. Yeah, in early spring then, say in, in February or March of next year, they are frost hardy, so they can be planted out. Again, this time of year, the bedding plants are beginning to go over. So mm. it's a lot of the, particularly the early flowering annuals, petunias, French marigolds, they've gone past their best at this stage. So if you've got those in tubs and containers or window boxes, it's a good idea to replant now with autumn colour. So the autumn heathers are just coming into flower. Great range of colours at the moment. Very hardy. They'll tolerate frost or wet weather. Cyclamen are just beginning to flower at the moment. Winter pansies, winter violas. All the spring bulbs are ready to, for planting. So all the dwarf tulips, daffodils, snowdrops, bluebells <laughs> they're all there, ready to go. go so you know use the, this rather than leaving it till October or November, I would use this, the kind of good weather we're having over the next 10 days to get those sort of jobs done because you're preparing for for winter and spring of next year yeah. so what we do now over the next 10 days, you'll reap the benefits during the Christmas period and, and spring of next year fruit as well, it's been a great year for fruiting a lot of apples. It's a job I have to do myself today is pick really? the apples. Okay. Because the birds are beginning to they feast. They are feast, and, yeah. And yeah. the wasps are yeah. beginning to feed. So if you've got apples, they're they're ready now for picking, um, particularly any of the early varieties um, like Beauty of Bath or Katie, or James Grieve. They're all ready for collecting now. So I'd be harvesting the apples. Uh, pears need to be left on the trees for another couple of weeks. To, they really need the frosty weather before they're ready to pick. Okay. And generally the birds and the wasps don't affect pears until they become ripe, so they're safe enough for the next couple of... Okay, the, bit of, the bit of sweetness isn't yeah. in them yet. Blueberries, they should be harvested at this time of year. Autumn raspberries will start to become ripe, so again you need to keep an, an eye on those. Mm. But it's a great time also for planting new fruit. So if you're interested in planting some fruit, well, autumn is the time to put apple trees and pear trees and rhubarb into the garden. It's a really good time for planting. It's also a good time for propagating your own plants. So if you wanted to, if you've got a friendly neighbour or somebody that will give you some cuttings of blackcurrants or gooseberries or indeed garden shrubs like hydrangeas, bodleias, potentillas, yeah. fuchsia, they root very easily from cuttings at this time of year. So it's just a matter of taking slips off them into a little bit of rooting powder and putting them into pots of sandy compost and they root very readily and very easily at this time of year in autumn. Okay. So they're the sort of things, hedges, I'm going to notice my own hedge, the laurel hedge, will need a bit of a tidy up. Yeah. So it's going to get a trim today. Okay. Um, and again, not no severe pruning at this time of year, but certainly a tidying back of hedging plants, beech, 
uh, Lelandii, laurels can all get a light trimming at this time of year. Um, no feeding required, just trim them back, just tidy them up, but don't cut too severely. You're really just tidying them up for, for, for the, the winter all, yeah. period. Um, so they're the sort of things, dear, that like with September is that time of year. I could be all month um, doing all those jobs, Porrick. Well, we, 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 years ago, autumn was always the start of the gardening yeah. year. It was always traditionally the, the time when people prepared for next year. And really, it's I would use the, the next week or 10 days to kind of just get the garden back in shape and to get it tidied up, get the spuds dug um, you know get the the vegetable garden start to harvest the plants in the vegetable garden the carrots those sort of plants could be started to be harvested now over the next couple of weeks Okay great stuff and of course if uh, the sunshine or at least the weather stays dry it does make that job a little bit easier particularly if you're more of a sort of a fair weather gardener well, like it, me Well that's because who knows in, in you know yeah. a couple of weeks it could be Because you might be, be sorry so, oh, I wish <laughs> I did that last yeah. week Yeah. Now I have everything on my blog on horkins.ie so if you click onto the website that's horkins.ie the, right on the front page there's a blog and I have a uh, tips for September so if you want to uh, Re- recap to, on some of exactly, those because you've covered a, a fair volume of stuff there in the last 10 minutes well I was thinking of things I suppose that you know that are relevant mm-hmm. that I'll be doing myself over the next couple of weeks and that are relevant to the moment that people practical things that people can be doing now in the garden particularly with the weather being so good so rather than kind of just sitting out admiring it <laughs> go, and, right. go and do a few jobs because it'll pay off in, in next spring yeah. if, if you if if those couple of things are, are and particularly with the greenhouse and the tunnels you're, you're going to benefit from rather than leaving it vacant for the winter you're actually going to get a lot of produce from from those areas over the autumn, winter, spring period. Okay, great. Now we have a good few questions. People have been uh, anticipating your They're return up. over the last, uh, I'd say, couple of weeks. So uh, they've been coming in from fairly early on. You can keep them coming to us, though, if you have something that you want to particularly ask Porig on the programme this morning. Uh, the ways you get in contact, well, you can text us on 087 900 41 41. Of course, our text service with thanks to C and C where switching your mobile to Vodafone is simple. Uh, you can call us either on 0818 3055 and the email is always there to garden at midwestradio.ie. Now we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back to those questions after these. Now you're welcome back to the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this uh, rather bright and sunny Saturday morning. So Porek, lo- you touched on loads of things there and interestingly some of them are kind of cropping up again mm. with regards to the questions. Um, you mentioned the apples. We've yeah. got a listener who's got a lovely crop of red apples but the birds have started to pick them. Should they take them in? What should they do? Well, well, harvest them. The way you know that an apple is ready for picking is if you clasp it in your hand and give it a, a light twist, it should come away in your hand. That's, the, that's an indication it's right. So generally red apples, like Beauty of Bath and Katie, ripen very early in the season and they seem to just attract birds in, the red colour. So they should be harvested and picked early. But that's the way to know when, when an apple is ready. Now, if, if pra- certain varieties like Bramley Seedling don't ripen until about November, and if birds are a problem, you could put a, a treatment of grazers. You know the product that we use to give the rabbits, the rabbits and the hares? Yeah. That could be applied to fruit at this time of year to keep, because the birds dislike it. It's got calcium. In the in the mix, so they dislike the taste of that, and that they'll tend to avoid the the fruit if it's mm-hmm. treated with that, and it's it's safe to use on edible crops. So, uh, yes, if the if the apples are ready, pick them, store them. They'll store for beauty bath. Katie will store for about six weeks, five to six weeks indoors in a cool location, um, or else net them. Just put a, a bit of bird netting over around the base of them, yeah, around the edge of them, yeah. 
and keep them off. Keep them off. Now, what would somebody would like to add a few easy to grow shrubs to the garden okay. uh, with some flowers or berries for the winter? Would you have some suggestions, I please? Sure have. I thought you might. Um, well, first of all, it's it's great planting weather, so soil conditions are ideal for planting. And um, there's enough moisture content, but still the soil is very. Um, usable so it's not too heavy so it's great super planting weather so depending on the sort of height that you're looking for there's some lovely plants showing berry colour at the moment so there's a lovely plant called Hypericum which is available in, in both yellow and red and pink berried forms so the berries are just beginning to form now and it carries that berried colour right through till spring because the birds dislike the berries so that's a, a, quite an easy plant to grow Hypericum it'll grow to about two and a half maybe three feet in height something similar in diameter and it'll grow in any garden soil. Pernetia is another really nice plant that's showing berry colour at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Grey colour uh, and again it retains its leaf and berry colour all winter. The skimmias are just coming into berry at the moment. The yeah. berries are, are in general green at the moment but they'll ripen now as we go into early autumn. Winter heathers will give you some grey colour. It's a good time to plant them. They're just beginning to flower now and again will carry their colour all winter long. Saracocca Humulus is a lovely plant. It's a plant called Sweet Box. Oh. It's like boxwood, yeah. but it's got white flowers that come out over the winter period. Oh, so pretty. it'll come into flower in November. And it is a very pretty plant, the small white flowers. It's the sort of plant that you can actually cut the stem, bring it indoors and let the flowers open inside. And it's got a lovely jasmine type scent, oh. that sweet scent, which um, and it flowers from November right through till January, early February. So it's Saracocca or Sweet Box, a good plant to plant at this time of year. Um, another nice plant that's just coming into flower are the winter cyclamen. Um, and again, they're, they're low, so they'd be ideal for a board or a bed. Um, and again, just starting to flower and they flower right through the winter period. So look at this, lots of really good plants available at the moment. Um, so maybe pop, pop down to the gardens and yep. just, yeah. And have, and have a good luck. Have a, yeah, but a great time to plant, a super time to plant plants. Okay, a uh, listener is wondering, um, there's, there's a lot of tight green growth on their father's grave. The soil is peaty. They're wondering, would it be a moss and how would you get rid of it? Well, it, it could be a moss, but it's more likely to be a, um, an algae called liverworth, which is a very small leaves, very close to the ground, and it spreads like a mat on the on the surface of the you often see that around stony areas as well do you yeah you could see it on stony anywhere where it kind of holds moisture and the fact that yeah. the, the soil is peaty it's going to hold a level of moisture and it likes that acidic type mm. soil so that's liverworth um you can get rid of it with patio magic you know the treatment that we use for the moss control and that will eradicate uh, liverworth it's, it's actually quite a difficult uh, or can be a difficult um, algae to get rid of but right. certainly the patio magic is very effective on it and you, you can if you spray today within a week the liverworth will die okay it, yeah it's fairly prolific all right when it gets yeah it, it really and if it's left it'll just continue to spread through the winter period so it forms a really tight mat mm. nearly a soil level green very green apple green mm. color um so yeah that's liverworth Okay. Now, a listener has a dashed wall. Okay. And they'd like to know what climbers would be good to cover it. Uh, they'd like to plant a plant with good cover and some colour as well. And is it okay to do it now? Yeah, and dashed walls are great because they give a rough structure for climbers to actually adhere to mm-hmm. compared to a plastered wall. So, first of all, the first thing when, when planting any climbers is to remember that you're, you're playing long term here you're playing a long game with climbers in that they're going to be on the walls for the next 30 or 40 years yeah. so soil preparation is really important so when planting 
any climber, make sure that the root run is prepared very well because otherwise it'll grow for a couple of years and then start to stagnate and go back. So do put a bit of effort into putting in plenty of compost, plenty of nutrition and good topsoil into the planting hole. And really, you've got a huge choice. If you want something evergreen, then some of the variegated ivies are lovely. There's a nice one called Gold Child, which is quite good. You've got the evergreen Virginia creeper, a plant called Cissus striata, which is very, very fast growing um, and will cover a wall you know, within a couple of years very rapidly. You've got the Virginia creeper that we mentioned at the top of the programme, which gives lovely autumn colour, um, scarlet, red colours through the autumn early winter period. Pyracantha or firethorn, it retains its green leaves all year round. It's a wall shrub. It flowers in April and May and produces bunches of berries in from September right through to early spring. And they're available in, in yellows, oranges and reds. So that's a really good plant, pyracantha, really fast growing, mm. um, you know, good evergreen foliage, nice white flowers, plenty of berries then in the, in the autumn so and winter period. So it's got loads period. of different bits to yeah. it. Generally when you're planting a wall, it's better to plant with the one plant to get a kind of a dramatic effect. So if you do use ivy or evergreen Virginia creeper or even ordinary Virginia creeper, mm. as it starts to mature, you can introduce other climbers into it. So something like clematis or honeysuckles, just to give an extra bit of colour. But I would tend to plant the wall with the one type of plant to get a, an overall cover and, and uniform cover coverage. Yeah. And then you can always introduce other climbers, maybe you know in two or three years time, just for flower colour. Okay. But a great time to plant. Lovely. Now, mushrooms, pork, lots of mushrooms, I think, around at the moment of various kinds. Uh, of course. <laughs> um, the regular ones and the ones that maybe you shouldn't be bothering about. Um, but uh, Tony here has some mushrooms growing on a tree bark. Um, how would you get rid of that? Well, mushrooms, of course, grow yeah. at this time of year and, and they, they tend to grow on decaying matter. On, on wood that's beginning to die back. So if it's growing on a tree, then there's something amiss with the tree. There's some decaying matter on the tree, the tree stem. Parts of it could be dead, could be damaged. Um, so first of all, I'd examine the tree to see, you know, why are the mushrooms growing there? They, they live on, you'll often get them growing in lawns mm. and they tend to grow on bits of bark or bits of roots of plants that are, are beginning to decay. Right. So that's generally a sign that the wood is, is dying. So the tree itself sounds like it has a, it a it problem. Has, some right. of the wood may be dead, some of the branches may be dead. Um, so the mushrooms aren't the problem, really. It's the, they're, they're an just, indication they're, they're, that... They're the, a symptom, really. They're a symptom that the tree is obviously under stress or it's uh, part of the stems may have been damaged. So it, you need to take... Tony needs to take a careful look at it. You can scrape the bark to see is there living tissue inside the bark or if there's any dead wood, that should be pruned out and cut out. Cut, cut out. So the mushrooms themselves are going to do no damage whatsoever to the tree. They're just living off that decaying matter. And at this time, of year with the cooler temperatures after such a warm summer yeah. you're going to see lots of mushrooms popping up on lawns in shrub beds don't worry about them they um, do no harm when you see them popping up in lawns um, is that like is, there, is that a sign that there's decaying matter there no, or, is, there, or yeah. is that just a natural environment but for of course them? there's decaying matter all around us leaves yeah. are decaying matter old roots of plants old bits of timber that might be in you know in the soil you're always going to get uh, fungi of, right. and, and mushrooms at this time of year popping up in areas 
don't worry your head about them. They're, they're, they do no harm whatsoever. Um, and they're going to be back again next yeah. autumn. And they're so only a temporary anyway. They're only a temporary thing. Okay. And those ones that you're fond of are... Ah, <laughs> stop casting aspersions like that on my character, if you don't mind. I like the ones that you can fry and put in a bit of bread. Uh, what will kill off stalks and weeds on potatoes now, asks Tom. Well, y- years ago there was uh, various treatments for burning off uh, uh, stems. But look, at the, my advice really is just to... to clean them off just hand take them off rather than using a weed killer to damage back the stalks and, and the uh, the uh, the the, the potato stalks and the, the weeds just really clean them off by hand and dig dig the potatoes okay um, now spotted laurel would spotted laurel make a nice hedge I'm looking for a small evergreen type Mary it's a lovely a lovely plant spotted laurel is that um, variegated it's like common laurel oh yeah but it's got green leaves with yellow speckles through yeah. it so it's a lovely evergreen plant it's it's also a plant that listener that was looking for an easy to grow plant in the garden so first of all spotted laurel is easy to grow it's evergreen retains its foliage 12 months of the year it flowers and it buries so you've got pretty much all so, in one but the fact that it's variegated is it also grows slowly right so it makes a perfect small hedge say up to two three four feet you can let it grow taller if you wish but it's very easy to keep it maintained to three or four feet as a hedge so it's not as fast growing then as the common oh no 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 no. and it's a it's a completely it's in a different family it's a a cuba rather than the the common laurel is prunus it gets its name spotted laurel because it looks like common laurel except the leaf has beautiful yellow speckles so it makes a terrific shrub uh, but makes a great hedge as well it's also a great plant for growing in shaded areas if you've got a shaded area. So I have it grown, for example, under trees in the garden okay. and it makes a great plant. And, and if anything, the yellow tends to be more intensified under a little bit of shade. Because of course but it's not getting the chlorophyll it's isn't Exactly. Getting the and light. the yellow just tends to stand out in, in a shaded area. So a really good plant, great time to plant it. If you're for a hedge, I would space them about two feet apart mm-hmm. and um, it'll give you maybe a three foot hedge within about three years and very, very easy to maintain once you have it. And it's something different as well compared yeah. to the traditional hedges. Lovely. Okay. Um, and this is new. I've never heard of this. Uh, pheasant berry shrub. Yeah. What's a pheasant berry shrub? Well, it's a plant called Lecestria formosa. I'm will you super remember that? impressed. Oh, I will, yeah. <laughs> pheasant berry is actually, because it's grown or is what used to be grown years and years ago and probably still is on the shoots. So where people were rearing pheasants for oh, shooting. Right. Pheasant berry was planted because it produces a fantastic berry at this time of year. That the pheasant likes. That the pheasant and it's low growing, so the pheasant can literally, uh, you know, just yeah. pecks it. So it's a beautiful plant as well in that the foliage colour gives a fantastic autumn colour, fantastic um, foliage colour, and also the flowers are quite nice in the summertime. So it's a great plant to give cover, and obviously for pheasants, that's what that's what they're, what they're oh, looking they are, for: yeah. cover during the summer and then the berries in the autumn for them to eat. What was the question? The question is actually, can you prune it back? <laughs> yes, you can. But and not, how do you do it? But don't do it yet. Wait right. until, because the berries will be coming forming now and wildlife will feed on that. So the time to prune uh, pheasant berry is January, February of next year and, ah. a re- and a really easy shrub to grow. Very good. Um, one more and we'll take a little break then. Um, you touched on this at the very start about bulbs in general. Yeah. Is it the time to set daffodils and tulips and give us a little bit of advice all, well, on Well, all bulbs. The great thing about bulbs is that they're so easy to grow and they're great for children to plant in particular because by planting them now at this time of year, 
they're going to get a result either around Christmas or early spring depending on what bulb you plant so they're fantastic to put in the garden they're also great if you've got plants say like winter heathers or ground covering plants to give an extra splash of colour in springtime it's a great idea to plant bulbs amongst other plants they'll force the way up through over the early spring period pop into flower and then when they're dying back your heathers will help to cover them over so it's a great way of companion planting bulbs and other plants together to give an added splash of colour and of course many of the bulbs like the snowdrops and the daffodils flower every year so once you put them in you've got them for a lifetime um, so really the, the simple things really are to first of all pick a bulb that suits the location you're planting so if you want a dwarf daffodil there's a lovely variety called Jetfire that only grows six or eight inches in height. It's got a ye- an orange trumpet and yellow petals. So it's got a lovely, lovely dwarf variety. I use it a lot in heather beds, rockeries, containers because it stays quite short, but still gives a great, great show of colour. Another nice variety is one called February Gold, which again only grows about a foot in height. So again, it's very neat, very compact and lovely to put in around amongst shrubs or borders, just to give a splash of mm. colour. When you're planting bulbs, plant them twice to three times their depth. So whatever height the bulb is, so say it's an inch high, plant it three inches deep Deep. in the soil. And always plant in clusters. So put in seven or nine bulbs together in a cluster about the size of a dinner plate. You'll fit seven or nine bulbs. Um, And it's as simple as that. Once you've them planted, you don't have to worry about them. They'll actually grow, give great colour, die back naturally in in early summer and regrow again the following spring. And you can extend the flowering period. Like you've got bulbs at the moment like winter aconites Mm -hmm. that flower in, in December. Snowdrops come into flower in January, early February. Crocuses start in February, flower through till March. Your daffodils are coming into flower in March and daffodil varieties vary on their flowering. So some come into flower in February, like February gold, and others like Dutch master won't flower until April. So you can extend the flowering period from December right through until. They also do really well in tubs and containers, window boxes. Um, So they're really a super hyacinths. This is the time of year. You know the lovely scented hyacinths for Christmas. This is the time to pot them up. Uh, leave them outside for a couple of weeks and then bring them into the house in November and they give t- tremendous scent uh, in the house during the and Christmas And a lovely period. bit of colour as well. Lovely bit. And it's a great one for schools as well to plant up some hyacinths, grow them on the windowsill, let the kids see them growing and then you've got a fantastic scent uh, in the classroom during the day. So it's a really, bulbs are really, they're so easy to grow. Great, yeah. And, and so easy to grow. And, and so much, give so much back then. In a well. very short period. Yeah. I mean, if you plant them now, certainly by, by December, January, February, they're in flower, so you're not waiting that long. Great stuff. We're going to, we've so much more to come, but we're going to take a quick break again. Uh, so stay with us. Now, Porik, uh, just before we come back to the questions, uh, something you just mentioned briefly there about uh, the bulbs and good for schools mm. and the schools competition that you talked about the last day when Aina was here. Yeah. You still have that going on, we have. have that, yeah. So that's a that's a that's the wildlife competition for the schools. So it's to encourage children to record the wildlife that are visiting the schools and also their homes. So it's a competition we're running right through from now till the 20th of October and what we'd like children in schools to do is to record over a week over a seven day period what wildlife it can be wildlife birds it can be foxes rabbits whatever snails whatever any wildlife that would actually visit the school garden or the home garden to record that on a special sheet we've put together we'll put that into a competition for the schools and the winning school will get a pack, a wildlife pack, which will contain wild bird tables, nesting boxes, all the food they're going to need to feed the wildlife through until 
the for the full term right through until May um, and also a feeding station which is a station that will be set up in the school where the, again the children can watch the birds and the wildlife coming to to the to feed in the in the um, wild bird feeders. So we've that pack put together. So all you need to do is go onto our website. It's Horkins.ie. Go onto the blog page. Mm-hmm. You can download the application form for the schools, and they can fill that in any time from now right through to the twentieth of October. All completed sheets then are just returned to the garden centre, and we'll pick a winner at the end of October, and we'll supply that school then with the full wildlife pack and get the kids watching the, the wildlife coming to the to the school garden right through the winter, spring and early summer period. It's, and it's great fun just to, to, to ah, be looking to out them. and see everything yeah. in operation. You know, sometimes these things happen and we maybe just don't notice it for whatever reason and a little bit of uh, focus can really Absolutely, just kind yeah. of reveal a, a whole different world. It's a great world. education. Yeah. Um, competition as well for the for the children. Okay, let's talk about roses, Porik. A couple of questions in relation to roses. Can we prune roses now and can we replant them? Well, at this time of year, what you're doing, if roses are still blooming and with the weather the way it is, they're going to continue to bloom for quite a period yet. So what I would be doing at the moment is just really deadheading roses, which means taking off any flowers that have gone over, removing those and removing about six inches of stem as well. So you're just tidying them up. If there's any disease, any black spot or mildew on the on the plants then remove that foliage as well but by deadheading them you're actually going to encourage them to regrow and reflower and roses can often flower up until late late november december often even into christmas you could take cuttings at this time of year so if Mm. the if a listener had say a flower carpet or they had a nice red rose that want to propagate from cuttings then yes this is a good time take them about pencil thickness right about pencil length strip off the leaves strip off the flowers dip them into a bit of rooting powder, stick them into a trench in the garden with a bit of sand or compost and put the cuttings quite close together, fill back the the trench in soil and leave them alone until springtime. And they'll root over the winter period and give you nice young rose plants that you can plant out in the garden then in February and March of next year. And many cuttings can be done like that. As I mentioned, the blackcurrants, bodleias, hypericums, all those sort of garden, commoner garden shrubs can be propagated by cutting. Simply think about a pencil. So pencil length, pencil thickness, strip off all the leaves and flowers, put them into a bit of rooting powder, that's important. Put Open a trench in the garden or else in a pot yeah. in the garden and literally stick the cuttings in and firm them in well and leave them alone. Leave them outside for the winter. They'll root over that period, over the winter period. Okay. And then, like, if particular, I suppose a lot of people might do this in pots first rather you can than... You in pots. Yeah, yeah, rather than straight into the ground. Yeah. Um, you, can, you, tr- you can then transplant them from the Absolutely. pot into the ground. When no problem whatsoever. And say you've got a pot, say a 12-inch pot, mm. the, you could put anything up to 30 or 40 cuttings into that. So you can put them quite close together. Um, so one one reasonable size pot or a deep tray if you had a tray that was maybe eight or nine inches deep right. as long as there's good drainage that yeah. the water can get out then that's perfect okay. and as long as you strip off the leaves strip off the flowers put the rooting powder you can buy a small tin of rooting powder for a couple of euros that'll do hundreds of cuttings and it's a great way of just propagating you'll often see a nice hydrangea mm. that you've been admiring go in and take a cutting of it rose cutting um, it's this time of year autumn is a great time to take cuttings from from yeah. most plants. I'm going to have a shot at that. My, yeah, I was up with my aunt the other day and she has fantastic hydrangeas. So. Well, if you're t- here's a tip yeah. for you. If you're, if you're visiting your aunt, bring a plastic bag with you. Okay. Take the cuttings. Prepare them whilst you're there. So strip off the leaves while you're there and take off the flowers. Put them into the polythene bag and seal it up. And they'll hold there for 
three to four days until you get oh, back yeah. home and you're ready to so don't just take the cutting throw it in the back of the car because it'll have wilted, it'll have wilted by the time and you get home. find it in three weeks time go oh yeah, I meant to do exactly. that. <laughs> so put them into a polythene bag and that'll hold them for okay. a couple of yeah, days for you. I think it's some fantastic hydrangeas. Well there you go this mm. is a, and it's a great time to see them you're, you're actually taking yeah. the cutting from the actual flower that you'd like and anything that we vegetatively propagate by taking a cutting comes true to type. So if you take a cutting off a pink hydrangea oh, right. or a red rose, then it's going to be, be exactly, exactly the, the same, same characteristics as, as oh. your auntie's plant. Yeah, good. Well, we'll, ha- we'll have know. a shot at that and see how we get on. Um, now, moss. A few people with issues regarding moss poric. Um, uh, James has a lawn that is covered with moss, would like to burn it off and reseed, and he's wondering what is the best to use, what's the best way to go about this? Isn't it gas that after such a dry summer yeah, that we, we, have, we still have moss? Yeah. You oh, know, and I've, I've perennial noticed, problem. Yeah, and I've noticed in, in many gardens at the moment, it's actually starting to creep back into lawns, um, probably with the heavy dew at night time, but it's, yeah. it's actually you can see the signs of it starting already. So what to do, if, if you want to re, totally redo the lawn, well then I would just um, spray off the lawn with something like Weed Free 360, right. which will eliminate any broadleaf weeds, any grasses. Um, it'll, it'll kill everything off without contaminating the soil. So you could do that on a day like today. A dry day would be ideal to do it. Mix it up in the washing can, apply it to the entire lawn area. That'll take about seven days to work. Mm-hmm. And after that seven day period, you need to dig over the soil. Now, the fact that the soil, the, gar- the lawn has a lot of moss in it, you need, my advice would be add some gravel to that soil. Try to aerate the soil, give it a better drainage structure because if you just use the same old soil again, the moss will be back in a couple of years again. Same old problem. Yes. So add a good bit of of pea gravel to the soil. That helps to open up the structure, it gives better drainage and it reduces the moss problem. And as I said at the top of the programme, if you get that done over the next week, you still got time during September to reseed that lawn before Mm. winter. And uh, so so Weed Free 360, apply it today if you can till over the soil next weekend, put in some pea gravel if you can into the soil, firm it back well and then reseed. Put in a little bit of pre-seeding fertiliser and and the green velvet lawn seed. If you do that in mid-September, you'll have a great lawn by mid-November and a terrific lawn next spring, hopefully moss-free. Brilliant. Uh, now, a listener has ha, has lupins and they've done very badly this year. Okay. After the first flowering, the plant died. Is there anything that can be done with them? Well, lupins uh, at this time of year, they've, they've gone out of flower. They're producing or have produced their seed at this stage. And really, the only thing to do is to tidy them back now, prune them back. Uh, and that would apply to all lupins, both plants that are struggling and those that have done really well this year take off all the seed heads take off the foliage at this time of year cut them back and that would apply to a lot of herbaceous plants like hollyhock delphiniums many of the kind of herbaceous plants that have been flowering during the summer period once they've gone over once they start to produce seed that's the trigger to cut them back Mm. and between now and early winter you'll actually get a fresh flush of new growth the plant will reinvigorate itself again because you've cut the foliage back now the question said that the, the questioner said that the plants died. have died. Yeah. So I mean, you really need to examine to see has the lupin plant died, and it may, it may just have rotted away and died. It's a good time to replant, to replant lupins, herbaceous plants in general. They are frost hardy. Autumn is actually a very good time to put them into the garden soil. Right. Would it be a good advice, uh, or would it be advisable to try and move them from the location that they're in, or something that would like might that be an issue? Well, generally lupins are very easy to grow. Right. So unless it's um, unless the soil is you know really poor, or they're, you know they don't they don't suffer really from, from 
Wet, uh, no, no, unless it's excessively wet, yeah. you know. But but sometimes they get rot and they and they die away right. in their first year. Okay. But I would examine it closely. It may just that the plant has died back to the root and that'll reshoot Shoot again. Them. So you could even lift it and have a look at the root structure, see does it look healthy, trim it back, tidy it up, and replant it back. Okay. But in general, herbaceous plants were coming into the time of year when they do need to be tidied back, uh, stop them from seeding because they're they're only losing energy mm. producing seed, and it's also a really good time to plant them. Okay. Now, it's also a good time to sow a lupin seed. So if you want to try growing a few lupins yourself on a windowsill, sow some seed at this time of year, put into a simple pot or tray, have the compost re- reasonably moist. Once you have them sown, cover them with a small bit of compost, put a bit of cling film over the top and they'll germinate within two or three weeks. Great. So you'll have nice strong plants before we get into the winter period. Now, um, moving from lupins to spuds, Spuds, uh, something is boring or burrowing into my potatoes. We're told they're fine big spuds. I'm so disappointed. Where did I go wrong? And can I prevent a a recurrence? It it sounds like the, there's a couple of things that bore into into potatoes, Mm. but wireworm is one which um, on the outside, it looks like the potato is perfectly healthy. Right. There'll be a a small entry and exit hole. And when you cut the potato through, you'll see the streak where the wireworm has actually gone through and ate the flesh and burrowed through the potato. So what looks like a healthy cur pink or record, once it's cut, can be physically damaged inside. Yeah. The other boring pest are slugs. There's a black slug which attacks potatoes, which tends to damage the outer, you know, the first inch or two inches of the potato, but again can be quite destructive and is more visible when you lift the plants. So depending on, on which the physical damage is. Wireworm lives in the soil for up to three years. It's the larvae of the click beetle, unfortunately. Um, you can treat next year. So when you're planting next um March, April, May, when you're putting in the new potatoes, as they're growing during the summer period, you can use the nematodes that we talked about before. They're very effective on controlling wireworm. So there's nothing the listener can do at no. this time of year. Right. You just need to harvest whatever plant crops are there and obviously examine the plants for the physical damage. Yeah. Wireworm is going to be a bit more difficult. You nearly have to cut the potato to see uh, where, where it's physically it's damaged. There, yeah. But you generally find that it they might affect 10 to 20% of the crop that very seldom you get a complete Good. crop that will be destroyed. Right. The slug damage will be a lot more visible and obviously you can take you know, you can sort the potatoes yeah. out between. So my guess is it's wireworm. So nothing really can you, I'd harvest them now. The longer you leave them in the soil, the more damage is going to occur. So get them out of the soil now, save what you can. And uh, for next spring, use the nematodes in June, July, when early August. When the temperatures August. come up a little bit. When the temperatures bit. come up, as the crop is growing. Um, as I say, the, 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 the um, wireworm live in the soil for up to three years. They don't pupate to adults until they're three years right. old. So they're living, they feed on grasses and weeds over the winter period, waiting for the spuds to come right. the following spring. <laughs> it's like dessert. Yeah, so um, so look at, take out what, what you can, save as much as possible, and next spring then, early summer, use the nematodes. Again, I'll, I'll be mentioning it on yeah. the programme anyway, I'll be reminding people what to do, um, but use the nematodes next next springtime. Okay. And you get, that they're, they're a natural pests that feed on the wireworm um, so you're not putting down, you're not using chemicals to control it. Okay, it's very, it's a very organic process. It's an organic way of controlling wireworm damage. What type of wildflowers would you plant to bring in the bees and would you plant the seeds in the autumn? Yeah, you would. Um, again, you know, like I said, the wild, particularly hardy annuals will germinate in the out, sown directly out of doors at this time of year. So plants like English marigolds, any single flowering plants, is a great plant called Phacelia. 
Phacelia. Um, it's a blue flowering plant. You sow it at this time of year in the, in the garden soil. It will come into flower in May of next year and it'll stay in flower right up to probably August, September. Oh. Bees, absolutely. Uh, the first time I came across was in the Botanic Gardens in Dublin and it was the sound of the pl- flower that attracted me. Wow. Rather than the... So you could, Phacelia. Phacelia. As in easy. The P is silent. Oh, the, oh, it's PH, sorry. As in swimming. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Phacelia. So look for that plant. That's a great plant for bees. They just love it. You can sow it at this time of year. Germinates over the winter period, over the autumn period and comes into flower in May. But there's loads of plants. If you actually look for a collection of seed called Nature's Haven, look for that in, in the local garden centre. That's a collection of seed that has been put together as the name suggests, that attracts wildlife into the garden. So nature's haven. So Facilia would be available in that. You'd have plants like borage, comfrey, Kalinges, English marigolds, sunflowers like you talked yes. about yourself. Yep. They can be, but they'd be sown next spring. So look for hardy annuals. Look for that range, nature's haven. There's a great collection of, of seed there that will attract both bees, butterflies and, and birds into the garden. Um, so great now uh, one or two more before we finish up Porik uh, time is ticking uh, Anthony has a couple of questions and I think some of them we've answered already but I specifically want to ask um, he's got a Lalandii hedge which was trimmed back last spring and it has grown substantially in the past few months he's wondering is it advisable to cut it back in the autumn or do we leave it until the springtime you can do a light trimming at this time of year right. and that would apply to all hedges so with, with, with the Lalandii I would remove no more than six or eight inches so you're really just going to tidy it up. Um, really, the, the, the ideal time to prune Lelandii is in the middle of the summer. You allow it to make its first flush of growth. So if you, if, you, if you tidy it up now for the autumn, leave it alone then next spring that it come into growth. And around the first or second week of July, June, cut the Lelandii back because mm-hmm. you're removing the first flush of growth and you're pruning it in June. It'll make a second flush of growth between June and uh, autumn and that's the foliage then that'll carry through the winter so by cutting it in June you're he- helping to take some of the vigour out of the Lelandia hedge as well so a light trimming now and that would apply to laurels and hedges in general beach and then next summer uh, give the Lelandia a good more substantial trimming back Okay and probably finally um a listener notices that a lot of the residual weed killers are no longer on the market and they're wondering what ones are still available or are... Well, by residual, what the listener means is mm-hmm. they're weed killers that remain in the soil. So there are weed killers like uh, Simazine was a great old one, but they've been taken off the market because they've found that the because they're residual, because they, they last in the soil for up to a year. They're not good for other things. Well, exactly. And they tend to get into the water courses. So a lot of those have been taken away. Now, it depends what where the listener... Certain weed killers like Hytrol still has a residual weed killer. And mm. generally, most of the weed killers that are used on pathways and driveways have a combination of an active weed killer that kills the weeds that are there, but also a residual uh, weed killer. So it tends to be a cocktail of both the fast acting and a residual weed killer. But it really depends where the listener wants to use the residual weed killer. So maybe if they give me a ring or call into the garden centre, we give them, you know, let's let's see what the specific use is, where they want to actually use the product and we can advise something more specific. But they're dead right. A lot of the residual weed killers are right. being taken off the market through EU regulations, regulations. and only rightly so. Okay. Uh, we're going to have to leave it there, I'm afraid, for this morning. But uh, as I said at the start, we had loads of information about just general tips on what can be done. Do. And, and that is available on the blog. On the on horkins.ie on, and just click onto the blog page and there's a full list of things to be done. Okay. Garden. Keep, 
no excuses. Keep us busy, and he's looking directly at me. Uh, that's it for this morning. So Porik, of course, is back with us. I know we didn't get to all of those questions by any means, but we do hang on to them and we'll address them uh, for you on the programme next week. Standby, Michael Neary is in studio and coming your way with Country Classics directly after the news at 10, which is on the way next with Angelina Nugent. Thanks to Teresa for all her help. I'm back again next Saturday. Until then, good morning to you.